Going back to school can create a whole slew of emotions for you, your child, and your family. You're transitioning out of the looseness and flexibility of a summer schedule and back into a much more rigid and concrete daily schedule. This can create anxiety, fear, and excitement in your family structure. We often get asked, what should we do with our kids over the summer? And we answer that in episode nine, what to do with your child over the summer. In today's episode, we answer another frequently asked question, how to prepare to go back to school. We know the anxiety school starting up causes because we feel it too, but we also know the best ways to counter those feelings is to be prepared. We'll be covering how to start the year off right for the next three weeks. This episode is the first of three episodes meant to serve as a guide to you in how to think about and how to prepare for going back to school. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 13 of Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast. I'm Rachel Kapp. And I'm Stephanie Pitts. Steph, I have to tell you how exciting it is that we're recording again. I know. It's been a little minute. It has been a little minute. So to pull back the curtain for our audience, we actually haven't recorded in probably about a month. We had no more than that. Has it been more than that? It's been more than that because I literally haven't been to my office in a month. So, and we didn't record that week before. So, it's probably been five or six weeks. We feel a little bit rusty, but our equipment is set up (laughs) properly now. That was a journey this morning. And the reason we had to kind of batch episodes and make sure we had new content going out for our audience every week, because you guys haven't missed an episode, is because, Steph, you actually had your surgery. How are you feeling? I did have my surgery. I'm I'm getting there. It's a slow recovery, but I'm getting there. I'm glad that the worst is behind me. I have to say, I'm glad that it's over because it's been hanging over both of our heads for months. (laughs) Totally. As we've been talking about, I mean, even in terms of launching this podcast, we talked about if now was the right time because you were having your surgery. And now we're back to batching episodes that that our audience has new content while I'm getting married and go on my honeymoon, (laughs) which is coming up in a couple of weeks. But I'm glad that it's over. And I was happy to bring you CCC a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yes. Thank you. That was that was so good. <laughs> and um, I'm happy that we're back. I'm happy that it's over and that you seem to be doing a lot better. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going back to work today, which is huge. So it's a slow journey. But, you know, I'm getting there and, and I will get there. It's good to be back with a little bit of uh, routine. And normalcy, because recording for us has become normal. Yeah, it has. (laughs) Anyway, back to our regular scheduled programming. (laughs) In this episode, we share some of the things that we always do with our clients at the beginning of the year, like setting SMART goals. And we'll also talk about not being a fireman all year or a firewoman. Excuse me. We're gender positive here. A fire person. A fire person. We'll explain that metaphor shortly. Be sure to tune in next week as we will share part two of this episode with some really specific advice for parents who are transitioning a student from one school to the next, meaning going from elementary to middle school or middle school to high school or even high school to college. 
and our biggest start of the year advice. Even if your child isn't transitioning between schools, it will definitely be worth your time to listen next week because knowing what to expect can be really powerful. This is the first of three episodes that will help you start the year off on the right foot. Rach, how do you start the year off? What's the first thing that you say? So I often do a check-in with families who like I haven't seen over the summer. Where were we three months ago and where do we Mm want to be? And Mm -hmm. if I've had a client for a while, the conversation that I have with the families are about not being a fireman. There's two parts to being a fireman. The first is literally extinguishing fires. And for our clients, fires can be homework not getting done or homework not getting turned in or not knowing when a test is. But the second part of being a fireman is actually educating the public about how to avoid a fire. (laughs) My goal with all my clients is to be in that zone of not having any fires. So knowing my students and knowing what they particularly struggle with has been really, really helpful. So this is an opportunity that I encourage our audience to sit down and think, what is the one thing that you hope doesn't happen this academic school year? So if it's knowing when tests are going to be, that can mean you create a plan for partnering with your child's teacher. That can mean you making sure that your child has a calendar. You're going to hear us talk about calendars so much. Go ahead, Steph. I was going to say, I think it's really important to note why Rachel said one thing. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Because it's one of those things that, yes, we all have goals, right? If you think about the goal you have for your house right now, you want your house to be clean. You want the fridge to be full. You want to have things in their places. You want to have all of these things. But can you do them all at once? No, that's not realistic. So remember, for your child, if you think about the things from last school year that were really challenging for your student, let's pick one to start the year off because you're just going to set them up for failure and you don't want to set them up for failure. If you pick more than one, you mean? That's what I mean. So that's why Rachel is saying pick one thing. With my clients, we're going to talk about goals in a minute, we pick the one thing that we want to make sure happens the whole year, and then we pick other things, too, that wouldn't it be nice. You've heard Steph and I talk about the wouldn't it be nice list, but it's really important to just start off with the one thing, and it could be something non-academic. If it really bugs you that your child isn't packing their own lunch, then that needs to be the thing that you start off with so that you can have a more harmonious start to the school year. Yeah, It's really hard to build habits. It's really hard to build multiple habits at once. And that's why most people fail at starting a new habit is because you're trying to take on too much at once. Steph, what would be another thing that you would encourage parents to think about when starting a new year? It's really important to start the new year with open communication with teachers. That way you're creating some rapport and team building, which is what we've talked about before. You've heard us say this. Open communication with your teacher and you partnering with your child's teacher is going to be something that you are going to really get a lot from. And so will your child. So if you know your child is behind... The best thing to do is to not wait until your child's teacher says to you, let's say it's October, 
Your child is behind. This is something that you already know. If you let your child's teacher know early on, that's some time that can be used to make up some ground and your child's teacher can be aware of it. So keeping an extra eye out if they have the ability to do so and being able to just go forward together and have some momentum rather than waiting. And then, like Rachel said, that's a fire already. You're starting the year off with the biggest fire. I think our bottom line with this point is don't test the teacher to see if this year's teacher feels the same way about where your child is at as last year's teacher. I think we would say the same thing about medicating your child. If you choose to medicate, we do not recommend that you say nothing to the teacher or us or us because first of all we'll notice but we don't really like feeling like we're being the guinea pigs to see if we can see a difference in your child we understand why you wouldn't share but it doesn't build trust and it doesn't build transparency and for the most part the fear about disclosing information is like you're going to build this confirmation bias so you're letting the teacher know that your child is behind so now the teacher's going to think your child is behind or you're letting the teacher know that you're medicating your child so now the teacher's looking for moments where things might be better that's not the kind of partnership that you want to really inspire you want to inspire openness Nobody is going to tell you medication is working if it's not, and nobody is going to tell you your child is ahead if they're not. So inspiring this partnership makes the teacher more willing to work with you. Wouldn't you agree, Steph? Yeah, I really think it's important to have your teacher on your side. Yeah. And they will understand. Once you're open and honest, it's that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. That Brene Brown talks about, mm-hmm. that now you've been open and honest and people are more willing to help you, even though it's hard. We love Brene. Yeah, we do. We love Brene. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to us. So the next really big thing that I'm sure a lot of you are thinking about when going back to school is homework. And that's why we did an episode on it. Homework is a terrible time of the day. So go back and listen to episode six, Dreaded Homework, to get some tips and tricks about it. To remind yourselves about what you're going to be in for. And (laughs) maybe you pick one thing about homework that you hope to do differently this school year. And by the way, partner with your kid on this. Have an open conversation. This is the perfect opportunity to talk about goal setting. Steph, yes. we both do this at the start of the year with our students. Why mm-hmm. do you think we both do this? I think that we both do this because, number one, it's really important in educating the child about where they're at and what they're doing and what they want. And it's really also important to have a jumping off point mm-hmm. and something to go back on as something to be measured, as to like look back to where you were just, you know, a few months ago when they start to feel discouraged Mm -hmm. or it's that race that Rachel and I talk about, like running your own race. So helping having those moments and those points along the way, you can see what your race has been like. And so I think there's so many reasons I start there. What about you? I really believe in the power of writing down your goals. And once you write them down and once we write them down in session, it's not like we never look back at them. One of the things that I've been doing with a client over the summer who really wanted to make a shift, I had her write a letter to her future self. So she was feeling really inspired at the end of the year. 
we had had a lot of serious conversations about how she needed to take on more as the student. And I had her write a letter to herself about the different things that she wanted to take on herself and not have her mom do or me as the ed therapist I like do for it. her. I like it. And now at the beginning of every session, I literally have it taped to my wall and I pull it off the wall and I stick it on the table in front of her. I'm like, okay, read this out loud. Remind yourself what we're working towards. And it's something that we're constantly revisiting. And this might be something that I'm thinking about doing with all of my clients in terms of their SMART goals. I'm not going to have them write their name on it, but I might post the SMART goals around my office and so that they're constantly engaging and constantly being reminded of what they set out to do this year. Yeah, I like like it. I do like it. I think that's really cool, especially because I think it's really smart to do it at the end like you were doing, but I think it's really smart to actually also do it at the beginning of the year. Because there's this motivation and excitement that comes with a new school year that they're not discouraged yet. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that that's that's a good place to start. Should we actually talk about what a SMART goal is? Yeah, let's let's definitely talk about what a SMART goal is. (laughs) So Steph, what is a SMART goal? A SMART goal is specific. That's the S. Measurable. That's the M. Achievable. A. Realistic. R. Time sensitive. T. (laughs) (laughs) So put those all together and that is a SMART goal. So now you're kind of wondering, okay, what does that really actually look like? So a SMART goal is specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and time sensitive. So you don't have a goal that just has no end date or has no numbers by which you can measure. I think the achievable and realistic part can be really tricky because we as the adults or you as the parents can think this is totally realistic for my child to be able to do it, but it might not be. Let's give an example of what a good smart goal for an elementary age student is and what a bad smart goal would be and why for an elementary age student. So an elementary age student. So let's start with a bad goal just so you can hear what it means and then we'll take it a step further. So here's an example of a bad goal for an elementary age student. I will always remember to bring home everything that I'm supposed to bring home. Backpack, homework, books, lunchbox. But there's no plan for how to achieve it. Can I add something about why that's bad? Yes. There's no plan to achieve it. But in addition, it's not time sensitive. It's very unrealistic because they said always. It's not realistic if you're routinely forgetting to bring something home that all of a sudden you're going to have 100% success rate with bringing things home. So Steph, why don't you give a more realistic, time-sensitive, and achievable, and specific, and measurable goal for that same student. So for the same goal, taking it a step further, I will remember to bring the right materials home at least four out of five days a week at school. I will do this by checking in with my teacher at the end of the day or asking a grown-up to help me make sure before we leave the school grounds. Now, let's talk about the difference. First, specific. It's talking about the right materials home, not just backpack with everything. 
-hmm. It's the right materials. Then let's talk about how it's measurable. It's four out of five days a week for school. How is it achievable? By checking in with my teacher at the end of the day or asking a grown-up. Is it realistic? That's the tricky part. But for this student, it is. And time-sensitive. It doesn't have to say by a certain time. So I wanted to make sure that you guys understood what the time-sensitive part was. It doesn't need to have a date so specifically. That's not what we mean by time-sensitive. But four out of five days is a good time-sensitive amount. So here is an example for a middle school student. Steph and I picked this imaginary student who is a seventh grader. Here's an example of a bad SMART goal. By the end of September, I will have completed two books that I'll be reading. Not specific. Really unrealistic. It is time sensitive, but it's not likely achievable. So for the same student, we kind of honed in or niched down on the goal to make it much more realistic and achievable. So here is an example of a better, more specific niche down SMART goal for that same seventh grader. By the end of September, I will be a chapter ahead in the reading book in my English class by reading 10 minutes a day, five days a week. Steph, how does that reflect SMART goals? It's specific. It's a chapter ahead. It's a chapter ahead. It's measurable because we're saying not only how much they're reading each day, but how many days a week they're going to read. Mm-hmm. We'll know if you're a chapter ahead of your class. Right. Yep. It's achievable because it's 10 minutes and kids were much more likely to think, okay, 10 minutes, that's a reasonable amount of time. I mean, 20 minutes pushes it. Might be better if your child is a, the kind of kid that can do it, but we're saying this imaginary kid, 20 minutes is too long. So that's why we chose 10 minutes. So that makes it realistic. And the time sensitive is that we're doing it five days out of the week. And by the end of September, they will be a chapter ahead. So Steph, what is an example of a bad SMART goal for a high school student? Keeping in mind, we're talking about a high school student, which is very different from an elementary and a middle school student. Mm -hmm. We've decided this imaginary high school student says... If you said to your child, what goals would you have or what's a goal you have or something, they'll probably say, I'll just remember to update my calendar. This is an example of a bad SMART goal because it doesn't have any of the components. No plan for success. And they probably said that just to get you off their back. So it's not actually a real goal for them. Rach, what is a better example of that goal? So a better example of that goal is I will update my calendar on a regular basis, including information I was told in school and making sure to source the information on my online portal. Now, this is something that should be a daily goal for a high school student, and it should be seamless. But again, we're using that should word, and anytime you're saying should, it might be unrealistic for your student. They should be doing this, but they're not. So if this is something that your student isn't doing yet, then having them do it on a daily basis isn't going to be realistic for them. So they may need to have two or three times a week that they create a plan for a check-in 
with a friend or check in with a parent or whoever is holding them accountable. Steph, would you agree? Yeah, I think that that's really good, especially because you're navigating this tricky high school situation and some of them want some autonomy but aren't ready for it. Right. So creating a structure and system that they know what to expect and how often is really a good idea. And it's agreed upon in advance before you guys are having fights about their calendar and their assignments that may be going missing or gone ignored or haven't been turned in. You're creating a plan for that in advance of an issue. Smart goals are meant to be successful. So don't pick something super unrealistic for your child. If your child has never calendared before... It's not realistic to have them suddenly have this wonderful Google Calendar that looks gorgeous and is color-coded and have them remember to do it on a daily basis. Same goes for if your child isn't checking their email every day. You'd be shocked by how many – I mean, I'm obsessive about checking my email to the point that I have to delete my email off my phone at the end of the night to have some boundaries. But our population of students don't check their email every day. No. If your ultimate goal is to have your high school student independently and seamlessly checking their calendar before committing to anything, and they're not doing it yet, let's have those stepping stones. Imagine you're at the bottom of that staircase. You're looking up at the top with the top being, my child always checks their calendar, always, they know what's going on in their life better than anybody else, but they're totally not using a calendar at the bottom of the staircase, then you need to build that momentum. And so what are those miniature goals on the way there? Keeping up with the momentum of creating a SMART goal, it would be a really good idea to set some goals as a family because then you can see that your child is also practicing it in a bigger life situation. And they see that everybody is working on something, right? Yeah. And that way you can check in all together, right? And hold each other accountable. Yeah. You can have- Your kids will love that. They really will. (laughs) They really will. You can time them out and reset them monthly or on the semester like we do or weekly or daily, whatever it is that works for your family. But you can have them up somewhere, highlighted, that everyone can see them. Put them on a post-it or if you have a whiteboard or a family calendar, something- that everybody is a part of, that you guys can set these goals. And that goal can simply be, let's get out as a family and walk the dog. Mm -hmm. One time a week. Exactly. One time a week. And those kinds of goals are going to create habits that we want to see our students starting to create. Please don't forget to listen to part two of this series as we give you more tips about how to start the year off on the right foot. Don't forget to join our Facebook group called the Smarties of the Learn Smarter Podcast as we're creating our community on Facebook. See you next week.